Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. One last review of that really not pleasant USC-Arizona State game. We've got a f- couple of former Trojan football players. want to help break down the game. They were both there. Terrell Thomas, former USC defensive back and New York Giant, won a Super Bowl there. Also, Shane Foley, former USC quarterback. We've had him on the podcast numerous times. We welcome him in right now. Shane you can follow him on Twitter, at Shane Foley underscore USC. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, buddy. I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? Yeah, just about, you know, I guess like everybody else, just hanging in there. But it's, it's been, a, we've had better days. Yes, indeed. indeed <laughs> we have indeed. It's certainly a lot of emotion running hot right now. Definitely, uh, I've seen a lot of that lately. Yeah, lots. I mean, lots to talk about about this game, and you know, people obviously aren't real happy. There's a lot of criticism with the uh, coaching staff, and I, I'm seeing it all over the place. Uh, yeah, you know, it, I mean, there's there's people talk complain about just about everything, and I think when you get a loss like this, that kind of happens. Maybe we'll just start off with, you know, what what were you thinking when you walked out, you know, just and saw what happened in the Coliseum there? What what were your initial thoughts? Well, you know, it's hard to really think in a situation like that. I mean, really. You know, you take a look around at the expressions, the people are shell-shocked. I mean, losing like that in that fashion was just really hard to deal with. I think the pain that you feel as a as a former player, as a as a fan, as as a, you know, I'm sure as, you know, the current team is feeling deeply, just a really tough, uh, ugly way to lose and uh, just a very frustrating experience. It's really kind of a helpless feeling. You know, obviously no time left to do anything. You look up there on the clock and it's 38-34 with – all zeros up there with nothing to be able to do about it except uh you know i guess all you can do is is look at the film take a look at uh, what you can do better and focus on getting better quickly because you can't uh, wallow in this you got uh you know you got a big game which is going to be a hornet's nest in tucson next uh, next saturday but uh you know this game was just <clears throat> you know i was with my wife and with uh, a guy that played baseball at SC and his wife and uh, a number of people and everybody just was speechless. You know, I guess that's about all you could say. It was really, really frustrating. Yeah, we were down on the field and you could, uh, it was really interesting to see. Everyone was stunned. You look at the the crowd and people weren't even leaving. They were just kind of like, they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to think. It was very bizarre. And I I just don't remember, I don't know, good or bad, but the last few years there have been some really historic losses, like unique, giving up the most this or the most that or the, you know, your biggest favorite or whatever it was. And this just seemed like another one, you know, Steve Sarkeesian saying he doesn't remember ever seeing a Hail Mary work and then have one of the Coliseum two weeks in a row work. You know, one was nice for USC going in the half. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world. And then one was obviously the greatest thing in the world for Arizona State uh, beating USC. But just the... I think just people were stunned. They couldn't believe here is another crazy loss, another unique loss, another historic loss. They're just not used to seeing that many in, in you know, so few, such, such few, few years. There's been so many of those. 
Well, I think, you know, certainly just the way the game unfolded, you know, certainly with the Trojans being up nine at two different junctures, 27-18, and then uh, obviously cutting the lead, uh, as you did, on a 98-yard drive to cut it to 27-25, and then uh, Buck Allen shaking loose and going for a 53-yard touchdown to go up nine again with everybody feeling good and, you know, even the announcer on the replay is talking about, well, lights out, you know, game's done and kind of ices it. And then, you know, obviously the very next play after the kickoff, you know, goes for a 73 or touchdown. And so, you know, obviously emotions just going up and down and, and certainly uh, getting the ball back and going into a very, very conservative style, you know, playing not to lose uh, down the stretch and uh, really playing against the clock, not against uh, the opponent, and uh, giving them another opportunity and having an 18-yard punt go off uh, Kessler's leg, uh, you know, for an 18-yard punt, giving them, you know, pretty nice field position to start that last drive and to really tee it up uh, with very, very small amount of time left. I think it was 18 seconds and no timeouts, and, you know, they hit a pass down there to set up the final play and having that 46-yard uh touchdown pass I mean really you know it's being called a Hail Mary I mean it was a very (laughs) unique Hail Mary because obviously uh, it didn't look like the Trojans had a lot of guys down there in position to make a play and so you know it looked like there was personnel issues you know that that I I, you know look at it as a former player personnel issues having Hayes Pillard back down there as a middle linebacker you know waiting for the ball to fall into the breadbasket and, uh, you know, not having anybody up there to even go and contest the football was uh, was a problem. And so, you know, obviously Jalen Strong going up and making a huge play and, and really having a line in that ball and going up and snatching it out of the air without anybody else even going up to contest it whatsoever um, was just shocking, I think. Just, as you said, it was really a situation where, you know, the emotions went back and forth and, you know, I think that uh, you got to, you know, you do have to credit ASU. You have to credit uh, their, their quarterback, you know, having only a second start, throwing for 488 against UCLA, and then having a career night. You know, the USC defense, the, the vaunted pass defense that had only given up, well, what, none, no touchdowns <laughs> throwing, and then giving up five and having a historic night. I think this is the, the most touchdowns thrown against the Trojan defense. I know there was a number of guys that have thrown for four, but. You know, it was a you know a career night, and uh, I think surpassed only by Joe Theismann back in the early 70s for throwing for more yards against the Trojans. So, just really a, uh, a shocking night, and in, in a lot of on a lot of different levels and a lot of fronts. But, um, you know, I think it's shared blame. You know, I think coaches have to take a lot of the blame in this. Uh, you know, technique and and uh, personnel and. Um, defense is called, you know, when uh, no deep safeties, you know, down the down the stretch on that 73-yard touchdown play. We talked about that before the call. You know, uh, certainly Kevon Seymour has uh, been called out by some, leaving his feet and not playing the man. And you know, certainly in retrospect, hindsight's 2020, he should have made a tackle on it. But at the end of the day, why is there no safety back there in that? You know, Gerald Bowman's coming over from the other side of the field has no shot on, on, on that receiver, you know, making a play. Why are they not in a cover two with the safety over the top of that play? And it just does not make any sense. And uh, so I think that's part of, part of, I think a lot of the frustration that, that's out there, certainly with me is, you know, just not really being in the right positions and having the right, uh, some of the right schemes to, to play in that, in that type of uh, 
setting and scenario there at the end. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, hard to argue with any of that. Um, I wanted to, maybe we could touch on some offensive plays, some defensive plays, and some special sure. team stuff just to kind of round out the, the coverage of this and get your thoughts on stuff. But offensively, you know, Cody Kessler kind of backed up a little bit. There was a bunch of drops. And you, you've probably experienced that in your quarterbacking days. And, you know, he was completing over 70% of his passes didn't in this game. You know, had a pretty good running game with Buck Allen, but it just seemed inconsistent. What was your overall assessment of how the how the offense played throughout the day? You know, I, I just it, it did not seem like they were able to really get into a rhythm. You know, I think that uh, certainly the drops that you talked about very uncharacteristic from what we've seen so far and last year. Uh, some some you know plays as a quarterback you can't control. You got to just you know, get those guys going and tell them, Hey, come back, you know, don't, don't dwell on that. Come back and make the next one and let's go. But, uh, I think that, uh, Cody, I think was, uh, not quite in his rhythm. I mean, he, he you know, threw some balls that, uh, I think early on in the game that, um, just didn't look like they were coming off his hand, uh, like they normally do just, uh, you know, kind of overthrowing some guys and just wasn't really, uh, as sharp and as crisp as, as we've seen in the past. I think that, um, it was a great performance, obviously, that run there that, uh, you know, on the first and goal, uh, running it in was a was a big play. And so, you know, a lot of heart and determination. And I think, uh, you know, still didn't have any turnovers. He did have, you know, obviously uh, uh interception drop, too. He didn't just have receivers drop passes, but there was an interception drop. But, you know, still doesn't have any interceptions on the year. He's been an efficient quarterback and uh, still does have a lot of, uh, you know, he has a lot of moxie and, and, and ability to move within the pocket. He did miss a uh, he did miss a, a blitz that that came from the weak side uh, to his backside and didn't recognize a coverage so he missed that which uh, he hasn't done often this year where a guy just can, you know came completely unblocked and it's a hot read and you got to get the ball out of your hand but you know obviously I think the running game when you talk about that uh, you know you see um, Buck Allen and Justin Davis I think uh, both running the ball hard. And certainly in the second half when they were pounding the football, I think that to me was uh, later in the game at 27-18 when, uh, you know, USC had the ball and, and ran about seven or eight different run plays. Justin Davis started off the drive and then Buck Allen came in about halfway through and they were just pounding the football. And on that third and two, you know, whether it was a called play by Sarkeesian or whether it was an option read play by Cody Kessler, you know, I think going out to the flat with the defensive backs jumping the routes as much as they were all night, actually, uh, that's that's one of the issues that I've got. Um, and we can chat about that in a minute. But, you know, taking that six-yard loss at that time right there and borderline field position opportunity, obviously, Hadari's hit some, some big field goals with a 52- and 53-yarder this year, but really opting to punt at that point right there uh, rather than getting any points and finishing that drive. I think that, to me, certainly the defense has got to share a lot of the blame for this, especially down the stretch when things really just got out of control. But, you know, that play right there was an opportunity to continue that drive to at least get a field goal, which puts you up uh, 30 to 18 or a touchdown, obviously, which I think would be a backbreaker at that point, 34, 18. There, there was no quit in Arizona state and, and certainly not insinuating that there would be, but I think that drive right there certainly would have made a huge difference in the outcome of the football game. Um, 
regarding the passing, you know, I, other than really overthrowing Juju Smith early in the game and missing, you know, overthrowing him, and then uh, kind of the cover two corner, post-corner route that uh, Darius Rogers dropped right near the goal line, which would have been a touchdown or, you know, right at the goal line. Uh, we didn't really see any stretching of the passing game again. And, you know, I know we've got young guys up front. I know there's a rotation with, you know, your listeners know with, with three true freshmen that are in that rotation with, with Loban Don, uh, Talama Evo and, and, and Mama. And, you know, I know there's been, you know, some interchanging there, but at the same time, you know, you've got Cody in a, in a you know, in a, in a shotgun formation a lot of the time. And I think there's, you know, when you take a look back at the first game of the season, which really looked like kind of the brand of football that um, Coach Sarkeesian described when he came in, was stretching the football. They threw the ball to, you know, 10 different receivers, you know, and I think that that's something that I think people have been kind of looking for again. And, you know, not necessarily always having to, you know, run the hurry up tempo that he's talking about because you do have a defense that doesn't get a lot of rest. And I know they slowed the game down and were very deliberate down the stretch to try to give his defense some more rest, which didn't obviously work too well <laughs> with the <laughs> results. But, you know, I think that that premise can be effective at times, but at the same time, I think when you've got defensive backs like Arizona State was doing, sitting down on routes, sitting down, you know, and, and playing up tight, you know, you've got their their uh, strong safety, I think, finished with 20 tackles, you know, coming up and making plays. That's when you've got an aggressive defense that's coming up and, and trying to play physical football and stop the run and play up close to the line of scrimmage with the with – the, um, Talented guys that you've got a receiver, obviously Nelson Aguilar, Juju Smith, uh, on down the line. Darius Rogers, Stephen Steve Mitchell, obviously got his first catch as a Trojan uh, with a JNA out. But you know, I think you've got a lot of opportunities to exploit a defense that's trying to play that physically and, and really trying to attack. And I did, I did think they did a pretty decent job getting the ball out of the backfield. Buck Allen did have a drop in the game as well, but the wheel route to him was a big, big play. Uh, on 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 a touchdown drive, and so I think uh, you know distributing the football out of the backfield looked looked good, but um, that's really kind of what I summed up and, and took from uh, from the offense. Just a lot of opportunities I think that we did not seize. Uh, defensively, a little different story. Uh, there, I mean, the the fact that one week against Boston College you can give up the most yards in you know decades. Uh, on the ground, and then a couple weeks later, give up the most yards in decades through the air. Uh, Record-setting performances for you know for for different teams on different sides of the ball. I mean, different uh, aspects of the game, the run game or the pass game. I mean, what did what did you see out of this defense? There was positives of, of being able to shut down a DJ Foster, but you know, obviously letting the backup quarterback Berkovici go crazy and f- throw for 510 yards can't be encouraging. No, not at all. And uh, certainly, you know, heard from a lot of former teammates and uh, players, uh, you know, prior to me playing uh, that really, I don't want to say offended, but we're really disappointed in, in uh, you know, just how uh, how our defense got gashed. And so, you know, as you talked about, uh, the Boston College game was stunning for a whole other reason. Uh, 452 yards given up out there on the road was unbelievable. And then, you know, obviously uh, a lot of talk about the Trojans not giving up a touchdown pass to give up five <laughs> um, was was very, very disappointing. So, you know, I think it's something that, um, 
you know, obviously Coach Sarkeesian talked about the front seven a lot, you know, going into the season. And, and you know, obviously I know Bigelow got hurt and Jabari Ruffin got hurt. So we had a couple of injuries to an already thin front seven. But even with that being the case, Ryan, you know, he talked a lot about this front seven being the strength of this football team and being able to really compete with any of the offenses out there and being as strong. He'd put them up against any front seven in the country, including the SEC, et cetera, which is obviously known for their for – their, uh, front seven defenses and it just hasn't really materialized i mean at the end of the day uh you know i know we're in the lower you know 100 115 in sacks um you know the sacks uh no pressure on the quarterback is you know to have a guy uh, and and give burkovici credit i mean he played a tremendous game uh, especially down the stretch showed a lot of mental toughness uh you know moved within the pocket to buy a little bit of time but you know, Scott Felix had two sacks. One got taken away by a Chris Hawkins uh, holding penalty, which I believe is his third third one in, in, in the second, you know, two weeks. But you know that was negated. But we're just not getting enough pressure on the on the quarterback, and that that's something that has to improve. Uh, playing on the, the other side of the line of scrimmage, pushing, you know, winning the, the battles up front, and getting pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. And that's going to have to be something that they're going to have to get better at quickly. So that that to me. First and foremost, that's what I look at and see is just not, uh, you know, not really interfering and, and disrupting uh, a quarterback. I mean, even, you, you know, when you take a look at even some of the best quarterbacks that have ever played, you know, you mentioned Terrell Thomas. I'm not sure if he was on the, the giant team when they played uh, the Patriots, you know, but obviously uh, even Tom Brady, you know, can get, can get off of his game and get disrupted and that kind of thing. And that's what you have to be able to do. I mean, it's a cliche, but the best pass defense is a great pass rush. I've said it again. I write about it in the Foley report. And that's something that just needs to improve. I mean, as far as, um, you know, as far as I think uh, the, you know, the three, four defense to me, you know, it's still kind of a work in progress. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you've got to have dominant linebackers in a 3-4 defense, and certainly Hayes Pillard and Sorrow in the middle. I mean, they're active linebackers. Um, you know, if you take a look at, you know, a dominant defense or, you know, dominant linebackers, you know, at a time when you had Clay Matthews and, and Cushing and Maluga, Thomas Williams kind of as the fourth guy, you know, obviously it was a different defensive scheme, but you, you've got to have the right players to kind of execute against the types of schemes that you're going to see. And Clearly, we had some success defending the run. They hopped off that pretty early, and they've been a, a very strong running team, you know, year-to-date in the conference and, and outside of the conference. So we had some, you know, success with that. The Trojans did. But, you know, at the end of the day, giving up the, the big plays is, was really the difference in this game. You know, when you boil it down and you take a look at, uh, you know, what ASU was able to do, I think the average, you know, 19 yards a catch. Berkovici was 27 of 45 for 510 yards, so it really equates to about 18.9 yards a catch. And just huge plays, especially down the stretch, um, were really disappointing. You know, one of the things I'd also point out, Ryan, is, you know, you, you had the 77-yard touchdown early, earlier in the game uh, to Strong, and then um, there were probably two or three other plays where they had receivers, you know, the running back Foster, beyond our our defensive backs you know definitely had a step to two steps past our defensive backs and uh, just missed i mean so there were several other other plays where you know where our our defensive backs were you know had a had you know they had a couple steps behind them so there's certainly some concern going forward and 
you know, certainly he's going to have to get that uh, dealt with and fixed right away. And then uh, one last one for you. They want to talk some special teams, and I guess the weirdest aspect of special teams was seeing Cody Kessler, who never punted his college career. We've never seen him punt in practice ever. He did punt a little bit uh, in high school, from what I was told, and uh, goes out there and punts four times in what seems to be like kind of a trick play. It's kind of like running four flea flickers in a game. Um, you know, they, the fact that they run the quick punt like four different times, I don't think I've ever seen that in a football game before. I don't know if they ever asked you to do that, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, there was some good special teams plays like Nelson Aguilar returned that punt for a touchdown. But sure. to me, there's so many bad ones mixed in there. It seems like it's this wild swing. I'd rather see kind of consistent special teams play as opposed to a couple really good ones followed by a whole bunch of bad ones. Yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, I mean, some of the statistics, I mean, I was kind of looking at some of the stuff um, for my writing, what I do, but I mean, the first four games, they had 37, you know, punt return yards, and, you know, that was uh, 53 yards by, by Aguilar in the first quarter was, was, you know, was a huge return and a big play. But, you know, I think our kickoff return is, you know, somewhere around 119, 120 in the country with total return yards. And, you know, you've got explosive guys like Aguilar and Adoree Jackson returning the football back there. You know, we obviously had trouble covering, um, you know, the kickoff against Oregon state where they took it back. And, uh, you know, we gave up a couple long, uh, you know, you know, to start the game to Middlebrooks. I mean, you know, running it back to the 50. So I think we're having problems in coverage. Certainly haven't, uh, you know, we haven't been explosive on the return short of, uh, Aguilar returning that punt, but I think uh, the punting for Kessler, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is on that. You know, they talked about the long snapper. I heard that being talked about. You know, post game, but uh, Alvarado punt punted twice. <laughs> you know, he had a 65-yard punt, he had a 54-yard punt, and obviously uh, he's had some success placing the ball. You know, inside the uh, you know inside the inside the 20. Uh, this year and, and uh, in the past. So, uh, you know, I don't really know where that came from or what the situation was, you know, and if that's done once, okay, you know, that can take a, a defense by surprise. But, I mean, that really kind of became their default plan, you know, with the quarterback uh, with Kessler uh, punting. And two of those, as, as you know, they rolled back in, into the end zone. And we're touchbacks, so I think, you know, the net uh, gain in field position was maybe 15 or 20 yards. I mean, the, you know, obviously the net net on that was, was atrocious. And then, the, you know, the last one, you know, off the side of his leg, gave him the ball, I think, on the 28 to start that last drive, which, which definitely teed up, you know, one completion, and it teed up the opportunity to get the ball downfield for the, uh, the go-ahead touchdown. So, you know, I think there's some – some things that I think the coaches need to go back and really kind of take a look at and identify, you know, what the issue is uh, or what the issues were, um, you know, and uh, really be clear about what, what they need to do. I think personnel wise, you know, I think timeout uh, management, uh, certainly that's been talked a lot about, you know, with, with the timeouts, but having the right personnel in the field. I mean, again, you know, having Hayes Pollard, down there, you know, basically, uh, you know, looking, uh, waiting for the ball to come down and hit him on the helmet or, you know, <laughs> for him to catch it. Um, 
you know, it's just not the right personnel. And, uh, you know, again, going back to, you know, that 73-yard touchdown to cut the lead 34-32, I mean, what, I don't know what defense they were. They weren't a man defense, but, uh, you know, I don't know why you're playing man down there with, you know, with less than three minutes to play in the football game. So, you know, there's just some things I think, that, you know, again, it was a shared deal, a lot of emotion running high out there, but a shared deal uh, with execution, with, with the coaching decisions, with the personnel that they had, you know, the schemes that they had in play. Um, you know, they've got to find ways, again, I'm going back to it, you got to find ways to get pressure on the opposing quarterback. You know, you're playing some of the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, Connor Holiday just threw for 734 yards and set the, the conference record. You've got Goff at Cal, you know, going off. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, obviously uh, Hunley at UCLA uh, throwing for 70-plus percent, uh, you know, 72, 73 percent leading the country right now and, and uh, passing efficiency, throwing the ball completion percentage. So, you know, you've got a lot of tremendous quarterbacks. Everett Golson is, is back, you know, just threw the winning touchdown pass on fourth and 11 to beat Stanford. You know, you're not going to have a weekend off, you know, with the guys <laughs> you, you, you see. You know, a new Solomon uh, watched him carve up uh, Oregon, you know, and do a great job at, you know, in Eugene. You and I both know how tough that is to, to go up there and get a W. And they didn't uh, squeak by. They didn't luck that one out up there. I and mean, they came out in the second half and punched him in the mouth and didn't back down and, and really did a tremendous job playing against the Wildcats. So, you know, when you take a look forward starting this Saturday, it's not going to get any easier. And that's going to be a hornet's nest out there. Arizona's number 10 in the country you know, jump from being unranked at 10 in the country and obviously a shakeup in the entire, you know, college football scene with, uh, you know, five out of the top 10, uh, 10 teams going down. But, uh, you know, Ryan, it just is, uh, you know, a situation where they're going to have to get some of these things fixed and, and fixed quickly. And I think everybody has to really take ownership um, with what went wrong. You know, you can't sweep this under the carpet. It was an ugly loss. It was a tough loss when the Trojans were trying to be, you know, be 3-0 in the conference for the first time since 06. So there was a lot to be playing for. It was a tough uh, tough way to go down. But right now, you know, it's how you rebound, how you respond. And, uh, you know, they've got to get the defense fixed. You know, it's a shared – I think it's a shared, uh, you know, loss. I mean, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they talk a lot about identity. You know, I believe each team, you know, each year creates you – know, has a new personality, creates their own identity – all of those types of things. But right now, our, you know, Trojan's identity is we can't get a stop when we need one, and we're giving up big plays, you know, both in the running game and in the passing game. And, you know, obviously uh, the offense needs to be able to finish drives when, when it counts too. It's a shared effort. You know, I think, uh, you know, the defense clearly was, uh, you know, giving up, uh, you know, whatever, 200-plus yards in the last three minutes. You know, certainly um, – was the goat in this game, but you know it's a shared it's a shared effort, you know. And if uh, I, I truly believe, if uh, you know, if we continued pounding the rock and finish that drive with a touchdown there at 27-18 to go up 34-18, you know that that's I think that's going to be the ball game. So you know, it, it's just a uh, you know it was a frustrating night. I think you can hear it my <laughs> you know in my uh, voice, and I know you've been frustrated too. Everybody has, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, you know, Sarkeesian had the time up there in Washington, turned around an 0-12 team, went 5-7. and Next three years after that, they go 7-5. and 
last year, you know, they go eight and four, nine and four, but he had already left at that point. And, you know, we've, we talked a little bit about it. There hasn't been a real long leash for, you know, for, for winning and coming in and, and winning. But, you know, I, I will say this, you know, he's got to, we, you know, we need to see the improvement going forward, you know, with these guys, you know, in the right schemes, making plays, playing together, having some leadership, you know, on the team, you know, from the coaching, you know, from the coaches, from the, from the uh, seniors and the upperclassmen being leaders and stepping up and, um, you know, getting better down the stretch. We're almost uh, really at the halfway point and a couple of tough losses, ugly losses, um, you know, and it's got to get better. And so, you know, obviously I, I, you know, I've said this before and you've heard me say it. I think the second year is really the year that you expect to see, uh, you know, a coach really turn things around. I mean, obviously different time, but, you know, Pete, Pete turned uh, the Trojans around going six and six his first year and then going 11 and two and, you know, seeing Urban Meyer take over Ronzo Florida team back in the day and, you know, a team that was basically left for dead and turning those guys into a national power when he was down there too. So, you know, you've got to get some momentum. Uh, they still are, you know, again, Trojans aren't about moral victories or about creating excuses, but, you know, they, they are playing with 55 and, uh, you know, I don't like hearing it either, but, but it is true. And they've got to, and I think they've got to make the most of, you know, what they can do with what they've got. And uh, it is about winning now, you know, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, you know, we got to find ways to win and do it. And um, it all starts this Saturday. All right. Well, great stuff. Former USC quarterback, Shane Foley. You can follow him on Twitter, Shane Foley underscore USC. He likes to tweet about what's going on with this team. So you definitely should follow him and, Got some good stuff there, and check out the full report too. He'll tweet out the link to that. So Shane, thanks very much for coming on the show. It wasn't a very inspiring, uplifting edition of the podcast, but you know we gotta <laughs> roll with the good, roll with the bad, and wanted to, love to get your opinions on stuff. So thanks for coming on. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Shane. At Shane at Shane Foley underscore USC. You can follow him on Twitter. We'll be back in one minute talking with Terrell Thomas. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We have former USC quarterback and New York Giant football player, Terrell Thomas, who knows a lot about this USC football program, secondary in particular, and he was at the game on Saturday, so we wanted to uh, catch up with Terrell and, and get his thoughts on what was going on. Thanks for uh, joining the show, Terrell. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. It's been a while, uh, but I, I, you got to you know go back to a USC game. You're a local guy, Rancho Cucamonga. Um, what, how often do you get back to, to see USC play? You know what? As much as I can. Uh, it was hard when I was playing. Uh, Sometimes the bye week didn't fall on the, the uh, week of a home game, but uh, every time I can, uh, I try to get in, get get out there, especially the uh, shark is back, and uh, 
uh, I feel like a new sense of a uh, Trojan pride and back to the old way is uh, coming back, coming back around. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Terrell Thomas. It's T E R R E L L Thomas 24. So at Terrell Thomas 24. And uh, you're currently a free agent. We can talk about this real quick. You're currently a free agent. You spent uh, many years with the, the New York Giants. And uh, you know, you, I think one of the only players to come back from three devastating knee injuries and still play in the NFL is crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, God is blessed, man. Uh, I was thankful to come back uh, from those uh, knee injuries. And uh, I'm still training. Uh, still hoping for another opportunity. Uh, setting up my second career, uh, exploring different avenues, thinking about getting back to school, uh, school getting my master's. Um, other than that, man, just uh, hoping that I get that call one day. It's a long season, uh, but uh, won't hold on too long. All right. Well, wish you the best of luck and get back out there. And uh, probably don't want to play too long, man. You see the long-term effects of some of these guys, <laughs> but maybe not for corners is bad. But yeah. Ta- you know, try to tackle some of those. But you know, try to tackle Marshawn Lynch and stuff. That can't be fun. No, nah, definitely. Uh, the, the toll of the NFL will definitely add up to you. Uh, obviously, the knee injuries uh, has played a pivotal role in my career. So I'm blessed to get six years in, and uh, if I never played another down, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I want to talk about the game, and uh, you know, we were exchanging a few text messages there. We can kind of focus on the defense and, and your specialty. Um, what, you know, what did you think? It's, it's 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 strange for me to see a defense that one week against Boston College gives up historic rushing yards, 452, and then another week. Uh, a team that hadn't given up a touchdown pass all year gives up five and 510 yards passing to a, a backup quarterback. I mean, what did, what did you take away from that and the way this defense has played? Well, it seemed like over the bye week, their focus was let's stop and run. Uh, I remember reading the article um, that that was key to the game. They did a great job of it. You know, they only had 30 yards rushing, but at the same time, you know, if you look at the stat board, they only got 30 yards rushing. Get deep, you know, just keep them in front of you and tackle. But, to give up explosive plays like that, it's, it's hard to win as a team. Um, it, it takes the energy out of the whole team, offense and defense. Um, it was a battle. I, I felt like they played strong to the fourth corner. Uh, they're a young group of guys, and you know they're they're, they're still learning the new system and, and still playing. But obviously, uh, you know if you want to be a great team, you want to win the Pac-12 championship. You can't give up big plays like that. Have you been part of any defenses that had had done that, where you say, okay, we're going to focus on the run. You do a good job, or the pass, whatever it is. But they, you know, I don't know if it's worth it if you can stop one aspect and the other aspect goes absolutely bonkers and goes <laughs> goes crazy. At some point, you kind of have to try to, you know, even it out a little bit. I guess you'd say. Well, I think everybody has a game plan going into the week, and uh, sometimes, you know, if, if their run game is is how they they move the offense, sets up, sets up the play action, then you want to take away that run and make it one dimensional and make them beat you passing. But at the same time, you know, if they start to kill you in the passing game, their concepts are just hitting you. You have an off day, then you have to make adjustments. And I think that's one thing that I lack Saturday is that they made no adjustments. I remember texting you and tweeting, like, they have 30 yards passing. Why are we letting them throw touchdowns over our head? The safety should have been 30 yards deep because there's nothing that you need to come up for to tackle other than to play the deep ball. And obviously the corners were a little aggressive, maybe peaking too much. Um, you can you can say it's the winger of the bye. You know they're a young team. At the end of the day, you know there's still freshmen and sophomores out there, which is good because the growing pains that they'll get better. But uh, obviously, when you give up 512 yards uh, to a backup quarterback at home, coming off a loss at Boston College, it doesn't look look too good for the program. Yeah, and uh, you know you mentioned the technique stuff, and maybe you could kind of share what your your thoughts are on that. If and, and I don't know if you're talking about strategy wise, like the you know, the the final drive or, or the second to the last drive when Kevon Seymour went for the 
the pick was that bad technique was that bad scheme and, and maybe kind of describe what you were talking about there well it was a little bit of both to be honest with you um the last play you have the middle linebacker back there and obviously it's a golden rule you don't try to fair catch the people and um you know Hayes is a great player a great trojan and I, i'm pretty sure he wants that play back and he would do it a thousand times differently but you got to knock that ball down you know it's just the biggest play that you practice that every week that you know you get up there you box out and you knock the play down but obviously um the communication was wrong on the sideline um, a, a lot of guys were playing one coverage and others were playing, you know, different. And, um, you know, it, it came and it showed, you know I mean, to give up a 73-yard touchdown or however long it was and then a Hail Mary to win the game. You know, if you just tackle those plays, you know, the clock runs and you make it a lot harder for those teams. So, obviously, um, the adjustments weren't, weren't made on the field um, to the coaching staff, to the players, or maybe the players were just, you know, lost out there. But, you know, it was just as, as a former player and as a DB, never want to see a team get beat like that, especially uh, when they have 30 yards rushing. I think that's so obvious and evident to any football player that if we're stopping the run, they can't run the ball, then we just need to stop the pass. And we might not be able to stop the pass. They might make completions, but we're going to tackle everything. We're going to kill all the yak. And when you allow them to get yards after the catch and make plays like that, you know, it just takes the momentum out of the team. And uh, obviously that's the reason why they lost the game. So to you, that's more of a, a kind of a scheme thing. Because for me, and, I, and when I saw Kevon Seymour try to make that play, it probably you know it wasn't the right move. But to, I'm looking at a guy who's you know, there's effort. He's trying to make a play, but there shouldn't be this thin margin of error that if he didn't, misses it, there's nobody behind him. I mean, to me, that seems more of a scheme thing. I, I know he didn't you know execute the the correct. Maybe he was told to keep guys in front of him. But even if he couldn't, if he you know even if he kept him in front of him and missed a the tackle, there shouldn't be green grass after him. You'd think there'd be someone there to kind of as a stopgap. No, you're absolutely right. And it's called victory. Universal uh, football term for the last play of the game. Um, in college and in the NFL, we practice it every week, every Friday and every Saturday. We went over it. And, it's, you know, we will walk through it and jump and let the receivers catch it. It's something you do that kind of play around, but, you know, it's a critical play that needs to be executed the right way. And for them to, you know, have two plays, you know, come in on the last play of the game, Absolutely makes no sense. Um, you know, it's a great coaching staff. Starts doing a, a great job with the guys. You know, you know, at the same time, again, they're young guys, but obviously, victory should have been called. Um, somebody should have been jammed at the point at the line of scrimmage when the play started. There should have been three guys deep. Um, there should have been three guys waiting for the bounce. Two guys in front, and Hayes the one to knock it down. That's literally general victory last play. How you knock the ball down for the hail mary? Um, you. Watched the previous week when they beat, uh, what did they beat, Oregon State yeah. at home. When um, we, we threw the Hail Mary, they had guys that said, that's how it should look. But our guy went out and made a play. And that, that happens. It's football. You never know what can happen. You throw the ball up. But when it came to the Arizona State game, it was literally, we were just lost out there. You know, you saw um, Chris Hawkins kind of running up, kind of lost, and Hayes was the only guy out there. And, and poor Bill linebacker should never be the jump man. He <laughs> should be the guy, you know, jamming somebody and you should have Sue or or Brown or or somebody or even a receiver back there that you know can jump really high and either catch it or knock it down I know that's what we did when I played we had uh Dwayne Jarrett or Patrick Turner back there so they were 6-4 and they can jump and just knock the ball down yeah it makes sense oh so that's on the victory play that's on the final play uh but the one the the touchdown leading up to that where Kevon Seymour kind of dove and, and tried to make a play do you blame him for kind of doing that or is that yeah, excuse me, a young guy trying to make a play. I, I, I speak me. on the youth. 
to be honest with you, man. I remember uh, my second year in the league, we were getting blown out by Carolina, and I could have easily tackled Jonathan Stewart, but I tried to go for the strip, and he ended up taking off for another 40 yards for a touchdown. And uh, you know, coach ripped me, but he understood exactly what I was doing. I was a young guy trying to make a play. You know, we were down and out, and I'm sitting here trying to make a play. And uh, you know, he should have just made the tackle, uh, playing himself. But you make the tackle, you line up again, um, and, and that's it. That's it's a different ball game. The uh, you mentioned the communication problems there a little bit. Uh, does that happen a lot? And you know how you, we know we talk about offensive play calling a lot more than you talk about defensive play calling. Maybe just people don't understand it as much. But when there's different plays coming in. How confusing can that be for a defender? And, you know, do you kind of understand the confusion that was going on the field at the time? It's very confusing because everybody has to be on the same accord. If not, you get exposed. If, you know, 10 people are playing man and that one quarter is playing zone, and he lets them out of his zone, then that's the difference of the play, and which happens a lot in football. But at the end of the day, this is the last play of the game. You know, nothing really needs to be communicated. It's victory <laughs> formation. Line up, jam the point, three deep, knock the ball down, we win. Thank God, you know, but that didn't happen. And uh, they're a young team, and it's, it's a great coaching situation, and we'll learn from it, um, and we'll get better. Um, obviously, we want to get that win back, um, so we'll be, have a better standing in the Pac-12. But, you know, they're a young team. They're playing a lot of freshmen, which will help us, you know, in the long run. But, you know, these are growing pains of having young guys in there and, and, and counting on them because, let's remember, man, they're 18 years old. You know, you got a door, he's going both ways. He has a lot on his plate, you know, and uh, – they're a young team, got put in a terrible situation, and I promise you it won't happen again in a long, for a long time. The uh, You talk about the young team, and it's a you know it's a young coaching staff too, only five games in at USC. Uh, the players start questioning when they when there's confusing decisions coming in or they're, they're not maybe don't agree with the coverages or whatever it is. The, the players start questioning the coaching staff, maybe not publicly, but just kind of behind the scenes, like I'm not really sure I have confidence in, in what these guys are doing. Um, I think that's obvious. I think that's human nature that you start questioning. But I think Sharks a, a great coach, and he will grab his players by the horn and get their attention and let them know that that was on them and it won't happen again. Um, that's that's what you do as a as a as a head coach. You let them know that you know that was my fault. The communication was my fault. Um, we should have put you guys in a better position. And uh, at the end of the day, the players got to hold yourself accountable too. You know, you have to study your your playbook and know situations that you know we go over and, and, and know how to execute those uh those situations. So. Um, I, I, like I said, man, it, it, when you get a loss like this, man, the, the, the best thing that you come out of it, uh, you get out of it, is that you get to learn from your mistakes. And going forward, these players will take this for the rest of their, the rest of their playing career, and they'll be able to execute that last play. Uh, you know, the, the, the touchdown before, yeah, it happens. You know, the touchdown in the first quarter, it, it happens. But that last play, it, you know, that's the difference in the game. And if you stop that one play, you win the ball game. And they're a good team. Give it to them. And they came out there and. You know, we're resilient and, and played tough and, and held on strong. And, you know, maybe after that last touchdown, the deepest kind of, you know, took a deep breath and kind of like, okay, we got this game won. And um, which, which happens, like I said, you know, I'm not blaming it on the youth, but we do have a bunch of young guys. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves when they started 2-0 and they beat Stanford at, at home. Um, but, you know, I got a tough uh, pack, rest of the Texas schedule coming up, so let's see how they finish. The, uh, you mentioned Sark a couple of times, and, you know, you were, you were on the team uh, when Sark was around, and I, I've talked to other former defensive players specifically that had a lot of, you know, good things to say about Sark, that he was a guy that had his office open, and even, you know, even though he's an offensive guy, he would take a, a linebacker and have him come in and talk about different plays they would call. Did you have a good experience when uh, when Sark was at USC? 
yeah, no doubt. Shark was a great coach, a great players coach. Um, always had his office open. Um, always talked to you on the field and whatnot. You know, he was the reason why I, I came to SC. Um, he was my recruiting coach when I came out. Uh, Rest took him on a long time ago, so obviously I'm a big fan of his. And uh, you know, I, I think he's just, uh, you know, he was he's a shade different than uh, Coach Carroll. Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know if he has the the full passion that Coach Carroll brings, but he definitely. Uh, uh, was a great part of our success, you know, when he was there, and uh, I think he's gonna do a great job for us uh, in, a, in the coming future. And you have to think about it, you know, Coach Carroll went six and six his first year. Uh, Shark is still coming out of sanctions, and I think he's doing a good job for us. So uh, I don't think there's any time for us to panic. You know, we lost to a, a pretty good team that just made a hell of a play at the end of the game, and we just gotta learn to finish stronger. Uh, you mentioned Dory Jackson too uh, a couple minutes ago, and I wanted to get your thoughts on him. You know, that being a true freshman and now starting at cornerback for SC. And there's some of it's the recruiting process and you want to get your five-star players on the field, but he seems like he's able to, you know, to, to, to adapt and, and adjust to the, the next level. You move from one level to the next, high school to college, college to the NFL, there's always some kind of adjustment. He seems like he's done that well. What have you seen from Adore Jackson so far? You know, he's just a playmaker. and I love what they're doing with him. They're giving him a short package and just allowing him to play. Um I, you know, I wish I could have done the same thing when I was a freshman, but obviously uh, he's a little bit more gifted, a little bit more mature. And uh, I think they're doing the right thing with him, giving him small packages, giving the ball to him in space and just allowing him to be the, af- the athlete that he is. Um, I think he's going to be a great chosen for us. Uh, and I think he, he might need to focus on one side of the ball uh, a little bit more than, than another. But, uh, you know, I, I think what they're doing with him, the offense, the defense is great and just uh, allowing his true, you know, God-given athletic talent to show and, you know, he's been great players for us thus far. Yeah, he uh, he actually didn't play offense for the first time this year against Arizona State. They, you know, I guess because he was starting uh, at corner there. But uh, I agree with you. I think it would be, you know, I, he, it's great that he could play both. And I think it's, he's doing a good job on the kick returns. Maybe that's not as taxing. But uh, if you want him to start at cornerback, to me, it, it seems like it's smart. And that's what they did in this game. Just let him play defense. And, you know, if you get a package or something, if you're up and you want him to play. But. They really needed him to focus on the defensive side this this week. Yeah, that's what it seemed to be the case. I'm a little biased, you know. My man, uh, Chris Hawkins, is from Rancho, so definitely want to see him out there getting the start. But, uh, you know, I think they do a good job of rotating everybody, getting everybody a fair chance to play and contribute, and that's the best way, get everybody involved. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy to be a Trojan. I, I love what they're doing. They brought back the, you know, the, the, the black cleats, you know, the tradition and, and, you know, everything that they're doing right now, I'm just excited for the new program. And uh, I think in the next couple of years, we'll be back in the national uh, championship hunt. One uh, last thing I wanted to, to chat with you about is the, you know, the defensive backs themselves. You, you know, you mentioned Chris Hawkins. Uh, we talked about Seymour and, um, you know, the cornerbacks there, Dory Jackson. The, the, the three guys are kind of rotating in. And, you know, Chris wasn't starting, but he was playing a bunch. And they'll, they'll play in nickel. They're, they're different kind of situations where they bring those guys in. And, what are your overall thoughts on, on kind of their technique and how, you know, what you've seen them do well and what you think they probably need to do a, a better job going forward this season? Um, you know, I, I think they're solid. I think they're great tackles. I think they need to be a little bit more better um, in their alignment and, and more just uh, their overall awareness of where they're at on the field. I think that uh difference in them making plays, sometimes they get a little bit lost in space, uh, which happens. Um, they have a new DB coach this year um, that is, you know, they're probably teaching new techniques. And, you know, it's a learning curve that that happens. And it's just a part of the game. But, uh, you know, I think our secondary has been solid. You know, everybody has a bad game, and this is what it was. You know, they've been, like you said, they never gave a touchdown pass the whole season until this game. So I think they'll look at this film, critique it really hard, and, you know, move forward. And 
hopefully uh, continue to be the, the, you know, the solid secondary and, you know, the, you know, if you want to say it, the uh, Legion of Boom uh, of the USC defense. Yeah, there, there was a, a few uh, holding calls last week. There's, you know, one or one or two calls this week too on the on the defensive backs there. But it seems like they're changing the way they call defensive holding or legal contact. You're seeing it in the college, and you see it in the the NFL. It just seems like they're making it tougher every year on defensive backs. Well, they want to see a lot of touchdowns, and you know, <laughs> as the as DBs, we have the hardest job on the field, and we just have to adjust, plain and simple. Um, the way they're calling, you know, you can't be so aggressive no more. Um, they call in the NFL, and the NFL trickles down to college football. So you just have to critique, um, change the way you play, and critique it a little bit. And you just, you know, you have to master it. You know, that's that's a part of being a football player, and especially a DB. And um, you can't let the holding calls get to you. You know, it, it happens. You know, you're gonna get caught. You know, more than anything, you know, you just peek it in the backfield. You just gotta get a little bit more discipline with your eyes, and that and that comes with experience and, and playing time. And they'll they'll get better. All right, well, he's former USC defensive back, former NFL, well, hopefully going to be a uh, current NFL defensive back. I like it, the, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> Terrell Thomas, you can follow him on Twitter, at Terrell Thomas 24, T-E-R-R-E-L-L, Thomas 24. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Terrell, and uh, and sharing your insights. It's great to get a former hey. player's point of view, especially with the DBs. Yes, sir, man. Anytime, Ryan. Have a good one. All right. Well, thanks, Terrell, and thanks to Shane Foley, who was in the first part of the podcast. It's been a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 